everybody to another installment of the Sports Rap Podcast right here on Heat 100 Radio, heat100radio.com. So another thing just of note, um, I'm doing my Facebook Live right now. But when I do the interview, I'm going to switch the pitch up a little bit this week. I'm going to go Instagram Live. Uh, haven't been doing much um, except for just posting over there. So I want to give that a try, give that a whirl. And uh, we're going to do the interview on Instagram Live. So, again, you'll know when I'm up. So you know where to find that, at SportsRap underscore D. But let's get right into it and get into what we need to get into. Some news and some updates for you for March 21st. 2022. Deshaun Watson has decided he wants to play for the Cleveland Browns, and that trade has been done. Uh, I think that trade happened like over the weekend or whatever, but Deshaun Watson is now the quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. And in the midst of all that, the former quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield, has requested a trade. His team of preference is the Indianapolis Colts. The Chiefs add Juju Smith-Schuster on a one-year deal. You know, they always like to say the rich get richer. So there's been a lot of moves in the NFL right now where it looks like some teams that were pretty good or already really good got just a touch better with some free agent signings and things of that nature. The Dallas Mavericks accuse uh, former GM and Coach Nelson of extortion. The Packers have traded, will trade uh, wide receiver Devontae Adams to the Las Vegas Raiders. This stems um, on the tail end of the Green Bay Packers giving Aaron Rodgers the $200 million contract, thus not leaving enough cap space to give Devontae Adams what he surely deserves. They were attempting to uh, sign him on the franchise tag. He told them he did not want to play and will not play on the franchise tag. Thus, he has been traded to the Raiders for draft picks. The Florida Panthers have acquired uh, the longest tenured Philadelphia pro sports athlete to this date, Claude Giroux from the Flyers. The Rams signed Matthew Stafford to a four-year extension. The Bengals have signed, since, since released, offensive lineman Lyle Collins from the Dallas Cowboys who have done some crazy things um, in free agency and it's not so much of them signing people it's been them releasing people some of their signings were um, for lack of a better phrase and for whatever it means uh, were pretty much insignificant so don't know, not sure what's going on over there in Dallas with the Cowboys but some of the moves that they've made um, so far in free agency in this offseason were um, a bit questionable uh, MLB is testing a new audio system that will prevent sign stealing. You know, there's always been a lot of talk about sign stealing um, in the, uh, Major League Baseball. So they have now instituted a plan of action um, as also a new test that will deliver them a system where teams can relay signs, I guess, to the bullpen and to the main dugout without sign stealing. Also, the Indianapolis Colts have hired six-time Pro Bowler Reggie Wayne as their wide receivers coach. That, folks, is your news and your updates for March 21st. 
So we move along. We're going to get into some scores. And we're going to end the scores. We're talking a little bit about the March Madness, your brackets. I hope some of you still have some live brackets. I'm sure some brackets have been disrupted. Some have been even busted already as we head into the Sweet 16 of the NCAA tournament for this year. In your scores, uh, spring training baseball, the Phillies fall to the Braves yesterday 5-1. to one. In the NHL, the Flyers fall to the Islanders 2-1. Well, the Flyers beat the Islanders 2-1. I'm sorry. The Stars beat the Capitals 3-2. The Rangers blanked the Hurricanes 2-zip. The Jets beat the Blackhawks 6-4. The Coyotes fall to the Sharks 4-2. And the Sabres outlasted Canucks 3-2. In the NBA, the Raptors defeat the Sixers 93-88. The Spurs outlast the Warriors 110-108. The Celtics get by the Nuggets 124 to 104. The Jazz beat the Knicks 108 93. In overtime, the Suns get by the Kings 127 124. The Thunder fall to the Magic 90 to 85. The Pelicans get by or outlast the, the Hawks 117 to 112. The Pacers beat the Blazers 129 to 98. And the Rockets fall to the Grizzlies. 122 to 98. So before we get into that article that I mentioned to you um, about Michael Beasley, we have to talk a little bit here and we got to talk a little bit of our Sweet 16, which we have reached right now in the NCAA tournament, the men's tournament, which again, like I mentioned uh, last week and I've always mentioned, it is just about pretty much my most favorite sport time, sports time of the year. There's a lot of basketball. There's a lot of what you what we like to say could be called true basketball with the effort and things of that nature of these young men um, and the women on the women's side who know that this tournament is a one and done. So you have to bring your A game every night. Uh, there have been some updates, been quite a few upsets. I'm sorry, not updates. And most, the biggest one I think so far was St. Peter's ousting Kentucky in the first round as Kentucky was the number two seed. St. Peter's was the number 15 seed. And then they move on again and beat Murray State, the number seven seed, in the second round, moving on to the Sweet 16. So local teams, Villanova has moved into the Sweet 16. My guys, North Carolina Tar Heels, who also upset a number one seed in Baylor, are into the Sweet 16 as the number eight seed. And again, like I said, the number 15 St. Peter's team outlasted a number two seed and a number seven seed. So the game's coming up. So again, like we said, the Sweet 16 is set. We are moving along pretty quickly. So here are your games for Thursday. Thursday's action will be in the South region and the West region. Those games will be um, number two, Villanova will face off against number 11, Michigan in the South region. Number five, Houston will face number one, Arizona, also in the South region. In the West region, number one, Gonzaga will take on number four, Arkansas. And number two, Duke will take on number three, Texas Tech. Then on Friday, in the East region and the Midwest region, 
the East region. It will be held here in Philadelphia at the Wells Fargo Center. Um, so let's get to that. In the East region, number four, UCLA will face off against number eight, UNC, the Carolina Tar Heels. Number 15, St. Peter's will face number three, Purdue. In the Midwest region, number one, Kansas, will face off against number four, Providence. And we have a number 11, Iowa State, going up against number 10, Miami, also in that Midwest region. So there you have it, folks. Those are your Sweet 16 teams for the men's tournament. We will get, I will get into more detail on the women's tournament uh, once they reach the Final Four um, because... You know, the men's game always outshines the women's game, which I think is a little crazy because there are some solid teams. There are some great stories, um, basketball stories and stories alone in the women's game. And I think they need more recognition and more TV time um, when that ever becomes available. So, again, like I said, the East region um, is here in Philadelphia. My North Carolina Tar Heels will be in town to play number four, UCLA. So getting back to the upsets, uh, like I said, in the second round, the number eight seed, North Carolina, upset the number one seed, Baylor, in the East region. The number one seeds uh, in the other three regions still remain. That would be Gonzaga in the West, Arizona in the South, and Kansas in the Midwest. Yes, Kansas in the Midwest. So we've seen some upsets, like I mentioned. We've seen some really good basketball, some exciting basketball. Uh, the North Carolina game against Baylor went into overtime. The Duke game yesterday, Duke got a run for their money yesterday, but they proved to be the more talented team, and they moved on um, into the Sweet 16. Surprising, Michigan uh, had to fight and claw in that game against Tennessee, and they uh, come out victorious as well. Villanova um, has been solid so far all tournament long. Um, no problems in the first round with Delaware. Then Ohio State looked like, for what I saw yesterday, really were no problems there. Uh, but we all know basketball is a game of runs, so there were some runs by Arizona State. But the point guard leadership and the coaching leadership – of Villanova helped them uh, get past Ohio State. Sorry, Baldy. Um, I don't know if you're Ohio State football. I know you're a football fan of Ohio State, but I don't know if you're a basketball as well. So if you are, sorry for that. Iowa State, um, who is represented by Philadelphia with um, a young man from Philadelphia, Isaiah Brockington, who plays for them. Uh, so shout-outs to him and shout-outs to Iowa State. The 11 seed who beat number three, Wisconsin, yesterday to advance to the Sweet 16. And again, the Cinderella story so far is the University of St. Peter's, who again knocked off a number two seed in Kentucky and then a number seven seed in Murray State. So I hope they can keep that run going, but it's going to be a tough game for them um, with Purdue. And if they make it farther, I think it'll be even tougher with UCLA and North Carolina. Texas Tech, I hope to give Duke a run for their money again as well. Um, a lot of people have talked now and are stating or believing that 
Duke has been set up to win the tournament. Um, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, not so much after seeing the game yesterday, but again, we know how this tournament plays out. We know how things play out, and anything could happen. Like I saw, like we said, you've seen St. Peter's as the Cinderella story so far, but there are other teams that could possibly be some surprises. Um, Notre Dame is a surprise right now. Moving that had moved into the round of 32, but they lost to Texas Tech. Um, Texas Tech could be a surprise team, if you will. Arkansas could be a surprise team. Houston, Michigan, who Michigan has a tough test of going up against Villanova um, in the Sweet 16 round. Providence is really good. And I'm also surprised to see Miami and another team that is also surprising me that could slightly be somewhat of a Cinderella story in the Iowa State team. So there you have your tournament news and updates for 2022. So the last thing I want to get to before I take my first break and before we come back and get into our interview for today, I had an article uh, and I saw this article and I thought that it was rather interesting and I felt like I needed to bring it to the table because I know I have people that tune in. I know I have people that watch and I'm sure people have seen the article because I posted it previously. And it's in relation to Michael Beasley, um, who broke down in an interview on another on a podcast and talked about his struggles and how much he has asked for help and has not received help or has not received the help to his liking, liking or what he felt was legit help for his situation. So it basically goes into and it says um, what was supposed to be a basketball interview turned into Michael Beasley's cry for help. So we're going to go through, I'm going to go through this. I'm going to read some quotes of Michael Beasley from this article and we'll talk about and discuss some things um, as we go through the quotes from Mike Beasley. Uh, he breaks down in an interview is what they're saying. So again, they say he, the basketball interview was set up, but it turned into his cry for help. So he opens up and he says, um, I quote, I'm tired, bro. End quote. He also goes further, goes further and he says, I don't know no one that ain't stole from me. Everybody except for my kids stole from me. My own mother stole from me. So it's crazy how these things happen. And way back when, there was an ESPN 30 for 30, the episode, it was actually called Broke, where it went into stories of professional athletes who went broke for whatever reasons. And there was one particular player, uh, Dan Marino, I think it was, who went into the story of how his family stole money from him. So this brings back that thought in my head. So again, um, excuse me, again, he said, I had to wake up one day in the league, one day in the summertime, and find out everybody was stealing from me. So, so with that being said right there, there were things going on that he was not privy to, which I think is a shame because he should have been privy to it because it was his money. Um, he was the one earning the money as an NBA player. He says, 
everybody from my financial advisor and my mom to everybody in my effing family to the point where I was faced with two evils. And the two evils that he said he had to come to grips with was, do I let this go on and not tell them because this is my family or do I cut them off and don't have no family? So we all know how that situation could play out with those two scenarios. Should he tell them and cut them off um, because because it is his family or should he just cut them off and then end up having the family turn on him because of what had already been being done? It's always, um, in a lot of ways, the misconception that once someone in an urban community or in a lot of other communities, as we like to say, makes it, um, becomes entitled, if you will, or obligated to help and support family members. I honestly don't think that's the case. Um, I feel like it should be left upon that particular individual to decide if and how he wants to help his family, his or her family, rather. Uh, there are a lot of things that go on. A lot of people who, excuse me, um, see these young men and women, excuse me, and see dollar signs and immediately go into deception mode if you will, and want to devise plans on how they can deceive the people that they are allegedly supposed to be working for or as family supposed to be supporting. Um, you know, um, it says with everything that happened to him, he lost, he has lost trust in people. Um, he's been trying to find others who help, who will help him navigate through life without wanting anything in return or taking it by themselves. So, Again, this is my point. That's the big story. That's the big issue here where he has been trying to find people that actually or seriously want to help him with his finances and help him keep a lot of his finances as opposed to people, like I said, who are devising plans to be deceptive in their actions and in their words and try to use their advantage to, again, steal from these particular athletes. Um, and he says so far he hasn't found any help at all. Um, he even goes in further and he says, and I quote, do I have to be Delante West shoes to get help? End quote. And then he goes back and he immediately says, it's no disrespect to Delante West or people in his position, but what does it take to do the right thing? My whole life I asked for help. People called me crazy. I don't leave the house. I play basketball and I go home. I don't care what y'all do no more. I try to talk to my kids as much as I can. I've reached out so much, so many times to different people. And it's just, I have to die with some type of dignity. So I get his point there, end quote, I'm sorry. And I get that point where he feels like he wants to die with some dignity. And I totally get that. I totally agree with that. But it becomes hard. It becomes extremely difficult when you have people as close to you as family. And I'm not just talking about like you, you kind of expect it at, from friends a little bit more than you do from family. Although some family, it is expected that you know that some people are going to be asking for A, B, and C once you, again, once you make it. 
um, looking for that handout. But you sometimes slightly expected a little bit more from uh, your friends. It also creates that caveat where, like he mentioned, he had to decide what should he do. Because we all know that once it's family that's involved, and if you make the decision to try and cut them off and let them know, look, I'm not giving you any more money or whatever, then all of a sudden things get turned around and the bad image in that situation gets projected towards you as you're not helping your family. You turned on your family. Well, for that matter, that's a look in the mirror moment, in my opinion, because your family has to take that moment and say and think, oh, yeah, well, I did steal from them. Like I did take money or ask for money and I really didn't do anything for it. And he was gracious enough to give it to me. And I just ran with it wildly or uh, not smartly. And I lost all the money or I spent all the money. And now I go back asking for more. And then at that point, you decide, uh, well, no, I gave you money and it was up. It was um, incumbent on you to make that money last, to do some things that you needed to do or wanted to do. And now when you decide that you've cut them off, it, like he said, it kind of seems like you don't have any family. That's the projection that they give you that at that point. Um, he also has noted that basketball has always been his way out. There was another interview that he did um, with Chris Haynes and Kevin Durant, and I watched that video, and he mentioned how when he grew up in Maryland that there was nothing else but basketball. That was what he lived for. That was all he did. Um, like I said, basketball has always been Beasley's way out. And the passion for the game is still there, but the immunity to everything that derives from being an NBA player isn't. So he's pretty much fed up with the way things went. And apparently, and looking at this article and reading this article, he's hurt by this. And he said he's been crying for help. So it's like he wants to be back playing, although he is not playing. And it's becoming hard for him to truly trust people and find people that have his genuine interest at hand. Um, he's been coming across all of these people and it's probably from the word of mouth from previous people who I'm sure have indirectly or directly at times mentioned, Oh yeah, well, you know, you deal with Mike Beasley. Like he has no idea what's going on outside of the basketball issue. You know, there's a way where you could, make this much instead of this much and he would probably never know but he has figured it out and he's caught up and he's really upset and hurt about the situation um he also goes in to say he says i'm the only player in effing history of history that's gotten whatever off the court and held accountable on the court if you look at his numbers if you look at how i play the game there's no reason in hell he should not be playing he also says, uh, I've never gotten the chance to play basketball. Everywhere I've gone, I've shown that I should be playing basketball, and I've always watched more than half the game, and then watching more than half the game. I watched the narrative go, this is why he's not playing, this is why, this is why, and it's like, F y'all. So his narrative has been developed um, outside of him and his own doing. And right now he is 
pretty much upset and disturbed about that. So, again, it happens a lot, but when you have guys like this that ask for help, um, a lot of people look at it as... Uh, you you do you're like you're making this much money or whatever whatever things of that nature you can get help or you don't really need the help you're rich like what do you need the help with but a lot of times people from the outside looking in don't truly understand the emotional weight that goes into being a professional athlete the emotional weight that comes with being a millionaire at such a young age where at a young age, you are now pretty much able to do everything or anything that you had dreamed of as a younger child moving on. And now you're in that position to do that. And then you look and you have people that you entrusted um, that gave you every reason to believe them from the very beginning. And then they start to steal from you. And a lot of times it's family in a lot of big ways, it's a lot easier for financial advisors, agents and things of that nature or people in that um, in that realm to do it. But then a lot of times it becomes family who become the leeches um, and bring you down. And it's just an emotional strain on that particular athlete. One of the things um, I like to say when I talk about these types of articles and these types of situations, I love the fact that what Shaq says about him and his kids he always tells his kids that, you know, it's no misconception. I'm rich. You're not rich. I'm not giving you anything. Uh, if you want to start a business, you're going to do it right. You give me a business plan. I'll check it out. And I feel comfortable enough in investing. I'll invest. So he's given them the tools to be independent, but also not giving them a handout giving them the room to earn or giving them the lesson. You have to earn your keep in this world. And just because I'm your dad and I'm rich doesn't necessarily mean that you are rich. So I'm not giving you anything. You're going to have to work for it and, or earn it in some type of way. So I definitely um, applaud Shaq for um, attacking that problem or that issue in that manner. With... That being said, I am going to take my first break. When I come back, again, we're going to switch over to Instagram Live. We're going to have our interview. We are going to talk to the executive director of Urban Not Average Philly, Miss Brittany Miller. And we'll get that interview started in just a little bit. Stay tuned, folks. On the other side, the interview is coming up. And remember, we are normally on Facebook Live where we are right now. But we're going to switch the pitch up a little bit today and we're going to do this interview on Instagram Live. So come on back, join me in a few minutes and we can talk about Urban Not Average Philly and Urban Not Average in general. And talk a little bit about how Philly was presented to them, what, what brought them to Philly and everything about how that organization started and some of their programs that are within that overall organization. You are tuned in to Sports Rap right here on Heat 100 Radio. It's your boy, Sports Rap D. Be back with you on the other side in just a few minutes.
And again, we are live on on Instagram today for this interview. So get over there at sportswrap underscore D. I see that people are there. So what I'm going to do now is just give you um, a little sisters with an agenda. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I just waved at you. So stay tuned for this interview coming up. What I want to do now is I want to give you a little bit of an intro of what we will be discussing. Um, There was a message I received um, on Instagram from the executive director of a program or an organization called Urban Not Average. I believe the uh, origin of the organization was in California, but we will definitely clear all of that up um, during this interview. I was, they have a division here in Philly, and I was um, approached by the executive director of Urban Not Average Philly to do the interview, and thus we are here. So again, they have programs um, for young athletes, extended family systems, and the one that I just recently seen was um, Fashion and Talent um, Forward Program. So we'll talk a little bit about those. We're going to talk about the program in general, and we'll get some information, and we'll definitely talk a little bit about how Philly got involved and what the plans are for Philly um, with this organization. So I am going to try to get her in here right now and the invite has been sent so we'll be waiting for her to join in so she has joined in um i'm not understanding how i can't see her i may have to tell her to request um because I cannot see her. Oh, there we go. Good morning, Mrs. Hi, Miller. Hi, how are you? I am well, and yourself? Good, good, good. Can good. you hear me? Yes, I can hear you very well. Um, okay. Shout outs to all the people that are joining in uh, so early. I'm getting all of these people joining in. These must be people on your end that you mentioned. Uh, I don't usually do Instagram Live, but it looks like I'm going to have to start Instagram Live with um, all these uh, people that are joining in. Uh, Let's see. Andrew. I'm sorry. Forgive me if I pronounce any names wrong. Um, And Dr. T-Y-R-A. I'm just going to spell that out for right now. A-N-G-E-R-D-R dot T-Y-R-A has joined. I'm going to give you a wave as well. Um, Elitist. Elitist M Group just joined. Give you a wave. JMK Dolls, another wave. Rosebud Investments, another wave. So as you people join in, I will definitely uh, wave to all of you and get you in. So, beautiful day um, here in Philly. Um, I don't know what the temperature is there in Atlanta, but it's probably warmer than it is here right now. Um, it is about six. It's going to be 60 here today so it's actually pretty good for us i'm sure you are a philly native so i'm sure you know and understand that that's pretty good for us um for this time of march being that the first day of spring was 
yesterday, um, believe it or not. So let's get right into uh, some details. And what I want you to first start and tell all the people is if you can go through um, as much as you can or as much as you would like to about the origin of Urban Not Average and then you can push right into how Philly um, became part of the picture. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. So um, Urban Not Average as a national organization, um, they just recently went national as of January 1st. Um, before that, they are originally based in L.A. See, so, that, so I was right when I said that. I did mention I thought that you were from L.A. Um, originally, so that's good. Yeah, uh, Urban Eye Average is, is L.A.-based originally. Um, and the founder and CEO, her name is Chandrea Moody-Wilson. Um, she is a, an awesome business boss mom and sports mom. Her daughter is actually a part of the track team that um, is currently number two in the country. So um, she knows firsthand about know maneuvering sports with these students and just you know going along on their competitions and things like that um which actually birthed the idea for her to to start urban not average um you know she felt as though there were a lot of students that had great stats and just great abilities um sports abilities and just commitment um and they had barriers you know such as finance um or domestic you know complications or just things that got in their way from going all the way um and as you know with sports if you don't go all the way and you don't you know do every checkpoint on the list and make your way up the ladder then it, it's, it's very hard to to compete um with others who are so that is why she started Urban Not Average, which basically um, means that even though you're urban and you're from the inner city, doesn't mean that you're average. Um, and honestly, due to stats, it really shows the opposite. Uh, a lot of sports athletes and people um, who, who are excelling and at the tops of their industries actually are urban um, people. So I think that um, her, her initiative was amazing. She actually hired me as a publicist initially. Um, so I am the PR for Urban Eye Average as a national brand. However, um, as we helped her with board building and things like that, um, her, her board members that were serving for LA, um, she ended up promoting them each into executive directors. And now they are leading their own chapters in various states. Um, Philly was not one of those states originally because there was no board member that was uh, based in Philadelphia. However, me being from Philly, I did know that um, Philly is the place that needs these resources and that could really use them um, based on the talent there and just um, also the challenges of the city. So um, she did offer me that position to hold uh, for executive director of Urban Not Average Philly. I currently am based in Atlanta. Um, and that's where I run my PR and branding business from. Uh, but I, as we mentioned, and as you mentioned earlier, I am from Philadelphia. I was born and raised in Philly. I moved to Atlanta in 2018. Um, so I've always had a passion to build for my city and pour back. And this is definitely one of those ways. Cool. Um, again, you just mentioned, um, that you felt that Philadelphia was, um, a city that was in need of these type of services and me, also being a Philadelphia native and still currently living here, 
uh, I, I really think that was um, a really smart plan. Um, because of everything that is going on, that has been going on in the city prior and during the pandemic and post, if we could say pandemic, which is like currently within the most recent rash of the carjackings and the um, senseless gun violence here in the city, I think is definitely needed. Um, one of the um, facets of the organization is the extended family yeah. that I saw. And I think that is one that will do wonders here in Philadelphia because so many families go through so many issues and either don't know how or don't know where to find the resources to help them through their troubles and um, tribulations. So talk about a little bit, um, give us a little bit about how that program, that particular facet um, was instituted and what are basically the guidelines of the extended family. Yeah, for sure. So the extended family, uh, I'm glad that you introduced it the way you did because um, you hit it right on the head. The, the extended family system was put into place exactly for that reason because Philly has so many um, just variables of issues that youth go deal with from, you know, domestic violence to drug addiction to learning disabilities to financial strains to just, you know, the list just goes on and there's so many different categories of, you know, what they struggle with that I really believe it goes back to the old saying that it takes a village, you know, to raise a child. And so a lot of these problems that children go through could literally be solved if more adults and more people would get involved and actually listen to them um, and see you know, red flags of different things that are clearly going wrong. Um, and so we are, we, we are implementing this program just to hold ourselves in the city and the community accountable to show up for these youth when we are made aware that they need whatever they need. Yeah, I think I think that word that you just used, um, holding the the communities accountable. Uh, I think with everything that has gone on most recently in Philadelphia and pretty much overall. Oh wow, I've got some other some of my people are tuned in. Yusuf Njai, thanks for uh, joining in. Um, uh, I appreciate you. But getting back to that, a lot of uh, the accountability is never placed on the families. Um, as people that know me know, I am a youth detention counselor here in the city. So I am like firsthand with a lot of the most recent violence and the misguided teens um, and the misguided youth. I was thinking, getting ready to say trouble, but I don't want to, I don't like to use that word trouble. Because like we both just mentioned, there are a lot of kids or young men and young women that, again, as well as the families, don't know how to reach out or ask for help or don't know where to go for help. And there's been so many things taken away in the city, um, the rec centers and some of the other safe havens that were there in place when I was growing up as a teen that are not there now. So it becomes a lot more difficult. And I think you hit that nail on the head when you use that word accountability, because I always say that the community has to begin to take itself back. 
we if we don't put out the effort, then the youth and the teens are becoming lost in everything that's going on in the community. And we all know in the urban communities what goes on um, in a lot of urban communities. But not everyone is falling into those particular issues. So I think that family, extended family um, peace is going to be very, very good uh, here in the city. And just a quick note, folks, as everybody is tuned in, um, I am normally a sports podcast, but I have a soft spot for our youth. Um, and when this opportunity was presented to me in the interview, and then I looked everything over as I do, um, I saw Urban Not Average, and I saw the young athletes uh, piece, the extended family piece, I felt like it was a need because I like to use my platform to help people in any way that I can. Like I said, especially the youth. So let's talk a little bit about the own your stuff. I, I kind of liked that title and just give us some more, more detail about what that actually means and how you plan on instituting that particular facet um, in Philly. Yes, for sure. So Own Your Stuff um, is a direct quote. It actually came directly from Tyler Perry um, with his 2018 uh, acceptance speech for his BET award. Uh, basically, he got up there and just said, own your stuff. You know what I mean? And, and that's such a powerful statement. Um, it's such an alarming and alerting statement. And I think that he, of course, understands it firsthand. But I feel like a lot of our youth, especially in the inner city, um, are still coming into understanding that. And the good thing is that this is the generation that wants to know. You know, this is the generation that is willing to take the risks. So I'm excited about that. Um, but where we're coming in the bridge the gap is really the knowledge and the resources. Um, raising awareness and, and letting these youth understand and know the importance um, of ownership and just also introducing them to the fact that they can own. Um, so many, and this is just speaking from Philly, you know, so many young people don't even know what they can do or what they have access to do. Um, and if they knew that they could and that there was a way, even if they don't know the how right now, if they just knew that they could and that there was a way, they would be so determined and ready to go get it. It's that simple that a lot of these youth just don't know um, that it's possible. They, a lot of them under 21 don't think they can own anything. Um, they feel like it's something you got to do when you grow up. You know what I mean? Right. Um, if you if you get ahead, if you get out the city, and it's not true. Um, so we're here to definitely help teach and teach them, and also bring in representation, which I think is one of the hugest uh, teaching systems. It's just through simple representation, people seeing other people that look like them, that came from where from where they came from, um, that have similar stories but have prevailed. Um, so. We are definitely making an effort to bring those kind of people to the table so that they have that representation piece. Yeah, that, that's, that's a great piece. Um, the passion strategist says exposure to possibilities, to the possibilities makes such a difference. Speak on this, Brittany. Um, I, I, again, something else that I have to um, agree with because you, you have to own your stuff. Um, a lot of times... I talk to the young men and the women that I deal with um, at work on a daily basis, 
And I found over the 20 plus years that I've been working there that a lot of these young people don't have people that they feel comfortable speaking with. Um, so they, a lot of times they just want someone to hear them. And I'm sure a lot of people in here will understand what I mean when I say you have people that may listen, but then at the same time, there's a hearing piece where you literally listen to these kids. And a lot of times I have to tell them and reassure them that the issues that they may be going through with their families, with their parents or grandparents, or sometimes even their friends, you have to own up to your part. Whatever part you played in it, whether good or bad, you have to own up to your part. And you have to be accountable for what you do. And some of the issues that you go through can only be fixed by you. And what I mean by that is, let's just say, for example, there's an issue that we might come across with the parent and a child who are not seeing eye to eye. Um, the parents are being the parent. And the children or the youth become confused and they sometimes think, well, why does he or she want to leave me here locked up or, you know, away from my family? And sometimes I have to tell them, like, Look, it can be called tough love. I said, but you also have to take into consideration what you did to put yourself in this position. You allegedly were out doing A, B and C. Your mom and dad wasn't out there with you. Um, you made those decisions on your own, but you have to own up to those decisions to get past those decisions. And a lot of them don't seem to understand that I'm in this little bit of a jam right now, but I can get out of this. A lot of them think that I'm stuck in it and this is what it's going to be for me forever when that's so many times not the case. Um a lot of these. I have, I have, I have a, a comment on that too, because um, I'm I I just have such a, a, a soft spot for real, you know, trauma effects, mm -hmm. um, and and things like that, because there's so many things that fall under the category of trauma that people don't necessarily allow to be placed in that category when they should. Right. Um, because just as an example, what you were just talking about, you know, youth that end up having to be locked up for things that they've done um, or things like that. Um, now, I'm not the one to make an excuse, you know what I mean? Because like right. you said, they have to be held accountable. However, I'm so aware of the small, repetitive layers of trauma um, that build up and, and cause youth a lot of times to have a mentality that they will be in that position forever because the root issue they believe will never change. Right. Um, I think that right. they sometimes know that, that they can change their behavior. They know that they can make a better choice, but the odds of them making that choice um, and them being heard is, is not likely. You know what I mean? So a lot of times... They don't want to choose to do the right thing because they still won't be heard. And they feel like a lot of times when they do the wrong thing, people will listen now, you know, mm -hmm. um, especially coming from a city like Philly where everything is hardcore. Everything is what did you say? Who are you talking to? Who are you looking at? You right. know what I'm saying? Everything is confrontational. Children are the least, 
you know, the least group of people who get to have a voice. Um, and so a lot of times these children are acting out because they are smarter than what we know and they can calculate when mom or dad are be, are being totally irresponsible or are not showing mm -hmm. up how they should. And instead of them being able to say, hey, mom, aren't you supposed to be doing this? Or aren't we supposed? They can't say that. You know right. what I'm saying? So it's like if they're not getting the clothes they're supposed to be getting and they're getting teased in school and they're, you know, they have to react to that. And so a lot of times these things have so many layers. And that's another reason why, you know, we have that extended family system because a, a child could be stealing cars and the whole root issue may be because they need new clothes you know something so small as that and, and they know they can make a better choice but it's like if i choose not to rob cars and i still gotta wear these raggedy holy clothes right. then i'm not getting the answers to my problem you know what i mean right yeah and yeah, that's that's a great answer um great diff different interpretation from um what i had mentioned um originally so the Athletes equipped. Mm -hmm. I was very interested um, in that particular part. Of course, like I mentioned, I am a sports guy. I'm just like a mm -hmm. sports fanatic. Um, basketball is my first love. So I am like in my element right now during March Madness. But I was also um, a basketball coach. And I felt that I was always a teaching coach where... I felt like I needed to be able to teach my kids. Um, and I had kids when I had them from 10 up until 14, which is like the time they're getting ready to go into high school and possibly progress on to the varsity teams and things of that nature. Like my partner and I did a show a little while back um, about some of the training issues, if you will, in Philadelphia, where we've seen a lot of trainers who don't give you the full impression of a trainer. Um, one of the guests we had, Raheem Thompson, was on, and he said, you know, it's kind of funny how someone will call themselves a trainer and they're in the, kid, in the gym with this kid or these kids um, and they're in jeans and Timberland boots and the kids are all in athletic gear. Yeah, I saw that face. And this is something that goes on. This is something that went on. Like I said, we did like a a half of a show on this particular topic. And like I was mentioning, as me um, being a coach, and my partner that's not here with me today, he's also a coach. But we are also teaching coaches, like I said, where I would go to practice in athletic gear like I was going to L.A. Fitness or to play my own self with my guys or whoever. And I always felt like I needed to be able to show them physically. Because a lot of times when you get that early, those early ages, that 10 to maybe 12, well, you'll say stuff, say things to them or give them instruction and they don't get it. And then it goes back to the issues like we just talked about where they don't know how to tell you they didn't get it. Mm -hmm. And then when you say something to them, not knowing at first, it kind of diminishes them and takes a lot out of them when they're like, oh, well why is coach yelling at me like this? Like, so one of the things I always like to do um, when we had practice was in the beginning of practice, we would get in a circle at center court and I would give the kids some things that we're going to go through during practice. And I would tell them right after that, listen, if you don't understand, let's talk about it now. 
because we can't wait until, like say today is Monday, we can't wait until Saturday during the game when I put you in the game and you don't understand what I say to you because it's going to be different. This is the time here at practice where you need to let me know if you don't understand so we can get it together or begin to work on getting it together. Because once we get in that game, I'm in the coach mode, and a lot of times I won't have time to actually come and say to you, look, you, you were supposed to do A, B, and C, but you did E, F, and G. You know, so that uh, athletes-equipped program that you have, I think that's going to also be a really big um, with our urban youth because we all know the somewhat normal trend, if you will, where a lot of our kids, a lot of our youth feel like um, in a lot of ways playing a sport is their only way out. So I would always um, try to prepare my kids for going into high school and then moving on to college. And I would always try to explain to them, like, listen, I'm here with you and I'm here to help you and I can do this for you. Let's just say you go to Duke at some point or whatever. There might be moments when coach might not get a chance to talk to you until a day later or two days later about something that happened during that game. And trying to get them to understand that, trying to give them avenues of how to handle that. So talk about that athletes equip program and how you think that's going to benefit um, the young athletes. Yes. So um, as you mentioned, you know, and I love that you have such a passion for the actual, you know, quality of training. It's not just training, you know, Um, I I appreciate that because that that contributes to success. So I we have a a huge plan to connect resources through this program. Um, We plan to do the footwork to find the people who are like yourself who are passionate about these youth having good training and having access to good support um because we, we all know half of the battle of training is just mentally knowing that someone has expectations out of you and they believe that you can do it that alone is you know half of the battle because these kids like you said it, it the sport saves lives for them when they can come to a place that gives them a responsibility and actually believes they can do it um and so with Athletes Equip, we plan to connect with uh, sports apparel companies, sports trainers. Also, we are bringing professional athletes to the table. Um, we are doing basically the behind the scenes work, the connectivity communications work to, to, to bring people that already want to help um, to a common location and space to, to be able to do that. Um, a lot of the, the the resources we plan to do through this program are going to come from people that I'm sure you already know, you know, community leaders, coaches at schools, coaches at gyms, boxing gyms. We plan to, to have access to space um, at locations and centers where they can actually come and get free time to be able to just practice their crafts um, without you know, worrying about getting shot on the street or right. things like that. You know what I mean? So... Um, with this athlete to quit, it's very vast and dynamic. It can include so many different opportunities from attending games just to be in the space of what the next level is like. Mm-hmm. Um, so many so many athletes have never even been to a professional game, but they have dreams of being a professional. 
Right. So we have to we have to fix that. You know what I mean? They have to be able to be in the arena and see it and feel it and feel the energy for them to, you know, really boost their goals and their momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's up to us as the adults to make that happen. So um, that's one of the type of things that we, we plan to do. Um, you know, sports teams that are lacking on uniforms or they just don't have the funding to really feel like a full team and mm-hmm. have what they need. Um, we want to step in and we want to just, you know, bridge those gaps and, and give these youth more hope. Right. Also, I think one of the benefits I think um, that would also be a part of that at least equipped um, piece is the fact that there are other avenues that you can go into and still be tied to sports. Um, a lot of times, like I do now, like I said, I was a coach, um, former player um, and all of that. But I think now with me doing this podcast and being a sports-based podcast, I'm showing people, like you mentioned earlier, someone that looks like them that is doing something else. But I'm still involved and tied into sports because we all know you can't play forever. Um, one of the things, one of the quotes that, that I like, to uh, reference when I talk to youth about doing things outside of the actual sport, I mean, actual playing of the sport, is one of the things that Kobe Bryant said in his um, Emmy-winning piece that he did, where where he said his love and his passion for the game was still there. And it was like, in my head, it was like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. It's easy. I've been doing it for so long. But it got to the point where the body was like, no, nah, dude, Mm-mm. you know, it, it, it's not the same anymore. And I, I think that's one of the hardest things for an athlete to come to grips with, because we see it so many times at the professional level where guys get up there in age. I mean, perfect example right now is Tom Brady, in my opinion. He's up there in age. He retired for like 40 days. But his love and his passion for the game is like, look, I'm coming back. And or the other people, other uh, players that have progressed on into uh, media to the media side, like perfect example. Another one, someone that looks like us, Michael Strahan. And you look at Michael Strahan and it started with just him doing football commentary and things of that nature, where now he's on an everyday morning show nationwide. And and that's because of his sports backing. And I think a lot of the youth need to know that and be reassured that there are avenues that you can go into. Because sometimes we get kids that have that dream that may not be the best athlete. Yeah. They may have that talent, but it may be on the media side where mm-hmm. you be the reporter, you be the commentator, things of that space. nature. Yeah, they love being in that space. Right, sure. and it doesn't change your love of the game or whatever particular sport you right. are in. It just shows your expansion in that sport. So mm-hmm. I think that's a great piece. So um, when you're in Philly and when you have some events in Philly, please, please um, keep me privy to the information. Um, like sure. I said, I, I would love to come um, at some moment and talk to some of the youth, just like I said, because of the platform and let them know that, yeah. you know, um, there is another side and there are other avenues that you can go into and you don't have to be that player all the time. 100%. And, yeah. yeah. We will definitely let you know. We, we actually, um, 
through that athlete to quit program, we it goes even farther than the physical um, aspect of sports as well because we we also pour into their mental, you know, their mental health and their mindset because a lot of times um, they they get a lot of training and are a lot of very skilled at the physical part, but there's not always someone preparing them for the mental part and what it's going to require of them mentally um, and for them to sustain, you know, and just keep keep going on their path. So we, we definitely plan to bring them those kind of resources as well, and we would love to have you speak. For All right, I, would be, I would definitely be glad to. Yeah. So sure. what is your outlook for Philly? I know you talked about it a little bit um, in the beginning, but – where do you see this program giving the most support to the communities in Philadelphia? Um, I feel like just uh, giving them a versatile place that, that, and as you can see, our programs are designed to really reach every type of urban youth in Philadelphia that there is. Um, through our Athletes Equip program, obviously that speaks to the inner athlete or sports advocate, um, youth in sports. Um, however, that extended family system really applies to anyone, um, any any urban youth that, that really needs support, as well as the Own Your Stuff. You know, we're overall trying to elevate the culture um, in a way that, in, in the city, when I say the culture, I mean the culture of Philadelphia. So we're trying to elevate the culture from every angle, physically, um, tangibly, mindset-wise, um, just just being an, another resource. There are, you know, a good amount. And since I've been in this position, I've, I've learned, because I didn't know myself, um, that there are many outlets and resources that are already bringing great things to the city. And I just think a lot of the city isn't aware, you know, because I, I wasn't even aware. Um, but... We also plan to be a loud resource. Um, we plan to really move and shake. Um, like I said, I'm a publicist first for Urban Our Average, so I'm, I'm heavy on the behind-the-scenes networking and trying to elevate and um, really go hard for this chapter and for this initiative because I feel like that's really what Philadelphia needs more of is the consistency um, and the accountability to do what we all already have had great ideas to do. You know, everyone... I think right. in the city is aware, you know, we talk to each other, we know, you know, it's bad right now and it's this and it's that, but who, who are the people who are really moving and shaking and, and getting the things done? And those are the people that I'm, I'm excited to connect with. Absolutely. So if you had to pick one of the facets of the program, which one uh, would you think, or would you say would have the, most impact on Philly? I would have to say uh, it would be a tie between the extended family system and the above average Philly because we, we actually didn't talk about that one yet, but the above average Philly program really allows the youth. That's our program where we kind of allow the youth to be on the giving end. Um, we okay. Even the youth who are, who are in need, who feel like they may not have anything to give, we mm -hmm. are showing them that they do. Um, we're bringing them in to help, to, for, to have them help us help the city as well. So they don't just feel like a victim. Uh, a lot of times when you are on the receiving end at a nonprofit, 
you kind of feel like a victim and it kind of can push you into being ashamed or feeling sorry for yourself. If you have to get clothes from the Salvation Army or if you have to get food from a food bank, you know, things like that, you kind of feel down and out. But through this program, um, Above Average Philly, we are actually allowing our members that receive things from us to be on the giving end and participate in our community events where we feed the homeless and we do, you know, different things to really build up the city as a whole. And it gives that youth a perspective on how we, on the on the orchestrating end, um, have a hand and a responsibility in helping those in need so they can better understand that when they are in need, it'll automatically push them to look for resources. Um, you know, so it's kind of a backdoor way of pushing our other programs. Um, mm -hmm. And with the extended family system, that's really the root of all problems to me. It's just Absolutely. people helping people, you know, across the whole country. People, if more people actually helped each other with what they can do instead of giving advice or unsolicited opinions on what they can't do, we would mm -hmm. really be in a better position, so. Yeah, that I would is, say those two. Yeah, that that is so true. The last piece you just said, um, where people always tend to want to give excuses or reasons why they can't help when there are so many different ways like that people can help. Like I've told people when I've done different things or been at different events, like if you just help, just greet these young people as they walk through the door. That doesn't cost you anything. Um, doesn't put you um, what people tend to feel sometimes obligated to anything but you're giving these young people a presence where they get that comfortability level and then they know and understand that well maybe I can go talk to Miss Margie that greeted mm -hmm. me at the door even though yes. Miss Margie doesn't have anything to do with what's going on inside yes. she was just so pleasant and so peaceful and she seems like she might actually listen to what I have to say. And I think that's very, very important and very vital for um, our youth today. Yeah. So this is this program um, for me, now that I've gotten some firsthand knowledge um, <laughs> yeah. as opposed to uh, use. Thank you. Thank you for liking what we do. You, you do the same thing. So. We got to talk Yusuf too to get in touch Yusuf with each other. Yusuf is actually, hi Yusuf, I know Yusuf too, and he's actually um, hopping on board with our Urban Not Average Tri-State chapter. See that? Uh, we, yeah, we have um, we have a sister chapter right across the border mm -hmm. um, with New Jersey, New York, and Maryland. It's a Tri-State chapter, and it's ran cool. by Kendra Hall. She's based in New Jersey, and Yusuf um, was actually a recent guest on her show. Um, she's also one of my clients and, and so, yeah, he's supposed to be coming on to work with the tri-state chapter very soon. Yeah, that, that's great. Um, Yusef is a really good dude. Always, always, always involving the youth and everything that he does. Um, I actually know Yusef through the, um, internet station where I host my podcast, um, with his closing line on um, somebody's got to do it. So great yeah, to see yeah. him, um, involved and continuing everything that he does in and around the city as well so again i am very intrigued very interested um in the program and again do not shy away from reaching out um if there's anything that you might need from me whatever way i can assist um i am more than willing to assist um even if it's like i said just dropping some knowledge on starting a podcast and and it doesn't even have to be 
a sports podcast is just because now I have the basics as well. So I can um, add that in. Um, it does, like I said, it can be whatever. But I can tell you right off the bat that um, if you're willing to have interns, we would love to be able to have opportunities to send some youth to intern with you so they can learn about, you know, come like, you know, come to some of your interviews in studio when you set them up and things right. like that. Um, yeah, I think we'll, that's that's something that I would definitely um, be interested yeah. in. Yeah, because we need um, to get our youth into some other things, some other activities. Like I said, in Philly, we know a lot of things have been taken away and they don't have the resources. So for people like us that have been in their shoes to now come back and create and provide those resources is is a beautiful thing. And I definitely applaud you for um, that and all the work that you do. So one of the things I like to do, and I call this my interview series, so I get to the point where I feel like we've got a lot of information out to people. Um, just to let people know, this audio will go up uh, later this week um, on the Sports Red Podcast. And you can find that on, like I posted, uh, Spotify, Apple, Google, GW District, um, which is an African-American-owned um, site, and most of your other um, podcast outlets. But I will definitely post and tag everyone in when this goes up. But I like to switch it up and make myself the interviewee and the prior interviewee become the interviewer. So if there's anything that you want to throw at me, you want to ask, feel free. Okay. Um, I'll ask you, because I've done interviews too, so I'm going to hit you with a hard one. <laughs> um, how, what has been your experience as a black male um, growing up, and I, you know, I know the times now are a little bit different, I'm sure. Um, but what was your experience growing up on the support that the community gave to you, um, as well as the adults, uh, in particular in the community, when you felt as though you needed, um, I guess, refuge or, you know, assistance with something that you didn't really want to talk about? Oh, wow. That is a tough one. Um, I think yes. that because the times are different and I'm always one to say um, as far as dealing with the youth that I work with that you guys don't have enough people that are conscious enough or brave enough, if you will, to tell you don't do that. Go the other way. When I was coming up as a teen, um, it was still some things going on, but a lot of the older guys in my neighborhood that were doing whatever they were doing, legal, mm-hmm. illegal, or whatever, mm-hmm. um, when there was something going on and they saw me looking like I was going to do something or going in a direction I shouldn't be going in, it was kind of like, oh, you to do, you play basketball, you play sports, and it shouldn't be, wouldn't it be a good idea for you to come this way right now? Um, I remember one incident, I was actually going to the store. And it's crazy because the store, the way that I would go to the store, which was the easiest and quickest way for me to get to the store, I'm going to that store one day, and then there's a guy that did some things. Um, He knew something was getting ready to go on, and he's like, look, go the other way. Walk around the block to the store. And my initial thoughts were like, yo, like, but... The store is right there. Like, I can look at the store while I'm standing here talking to you. He said, no, 
you have a different agenda and this is something that you don't need to be involved in. So if you take that long walk, there's a very good chance that things will be done and over with by the time you get there. And then make sure you go back the same way. You know, and I think that's a lost art now. But yeah. one of the toughest things I felt um, for me in that whole issue was, again, like a lot of the youth are going through now, how do I say it? How do I ask for the help that I may need? There was always um, a tough way of putting the words together where it's like I knew what I wanted, but I just didn't know how to ask in a way that the adult or that particular safe haven would understand what I was going through. I always felt like I was uh, shortchanging them or leaving out some information and where they had to dig a little bit and things came out. So I think that was one of the toughest parts for me, just being able to express what I wanted um, and get the results that I was looking for. That's so, that I'm so glad you said that because that's another thing that I, you know, I want to bring more light to and more accountability to on the adult side because I feel like we are so naive when it comes to our youth. You know what I mean? We, mm -hmm. we really are. I think that um, just people in general, if we see something on Instagram that we even think means something different, we're going to do the investigative work. Right. You know, we're going to investigate. We're going to ask questions. We're going to do research. We're going to go call half our friends and ask them what they think. Um, I think that we go above and beyond to find out things and address things that we want to address. Um, but more adults need to take accountability for really just knowing what it was like already to be a kid. Because that's one thing. We know what it's like to be a kid. They don't Absolutely. know what it's like to be an adult. <laughs> right. So, you know what I'm saying? A lot of adults know certain signs. They know certain things are fishy or certain things aren't right um, or, some, or whatever. And a lot of times the adult turns the other cheek because they don't want to deal with being accountable. They don't want to do the hard thing. Um, and just imagine how much harder it is for that youth to maneuver a space that they don't know how to communicate and that they don't know if it's right or wrong or what's going on or whatever case may be. So I feel like, you know, we as adults need to take the same energy that we have when we're trying to, you know, hunt down um, a car dealership and figure out which one got the less price or whatever we want to do. Mm -hmm. we the same energy and really dig deep for these kids, you know, for these youth. And, and I think that just that effort alone will break some barriers because these kids right now, I think, feel like we don't care, you know, and that that's the worst thing. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So, again, um, it, it's been a pleasure speaking with you and learning more uh, about the program. I will definitely continue to watch and continue to pay attention to what's going on. And, again, I will be waiting for the calls um, for my assistance um, when I'm available for the assistance. And, like I said, if I need to make a way, I will definitely uh, make a way to help and support. Um, again, I... I appreciate you taking time out of your day to sit and chat with me um, to introduce the program to bring this program to Philly as well um, and I am so glad that you were involved initially and decided that you were from Philly and you remembered where you were from. You are, listen here now, listen here. <laughs> 
that's one thing I will never forget. You know, you th- that's never going to happen. Philly is, is in me to the point there's no return. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Absolutely. You know, I, I, I love my city. Yeah, I love my city. Yeah, I love the people from yeah, my that, city. That's a great thing. Um, like I said, and I applaud the original stages of Urban Not Average because um, originating in L.A. and then branching out like you have, every city is different. And yeah. there could immediately be um, a slight misconception of, well, L.A. is, ooh, you know. But... That's usually the stereotypical yeah. things that we go through. And I like to tell people, don't reach too far into that basket if you haven't been there. Because there are things that go on in every city. And yeah. you could run into somebody from L.A. that's visiting Philly or has just moved to Philly. And they'll tell you the same thing. Like, yo, I can't wait to get back home. Like, it's crazy here. You know, right. and a lot of people don't believe that. But it's so true. Yeah. Where the difference is are so, so many times very similar. Um, so but again, that's why it's so important for communities themselves to actually get involved because nobody knows your city like you. you know absolutely. What I mean? People are always waiting for these celebrities from God knows where to come and pour in, even if right. they are from the same city. Like, we can do so much right in our own space, you know, and so yes. we're all for it. We are absolutely. All for it. And then there's those celebrities are just an extra. They're like the cherry on top. Of that Sunday, but we have to build the Sunday ourselves in order to make these things work. In and order to get to our youth, we also have to give them something to support. You right. know what I mean? They they may have the the funding, but the mm-hmm. one thing they don't have because I know I do work with celebrities, they don't have the time. <laughs> right. So a lot of times we're waiting for them to just drop a bag on a city, and it don't work like that. You Absolutely. Have to initiatives. And give them something to to invest in or mm-hmm. to support and do the work. You know, do the footwork and people will come in and invest and things will get done. But Absolutely. You know, got to start. Got to start somewhere. Like I said, you got to crawl yeah. before you walk. So yeah. we definitely um, have to uh, get that in place and we definitely have to stay in touch. I, again, I applaud you for all the work that you do. Um, I thank you and appreciate you, again, taking time out of your morning to sit and chat with me. So I am always here um, if you have any questions or anything that you might want to ask later on down the line. Feel free to message me or whatever you need to do to get in touch with me. I also want to thank everyone that had jo- has joined in on this dialogue. Um, I see so many people that I don't even know, um, which I am appreciative of now from people that I've gained as followers, so I'm guessing that I'm doing something right. Yes, absolutely. Instagram Live is where it's at. I'll tell you from the, you know, branding and PR perspective that um, one thing is that the viewers that you see on here live is going to probably be not even one-fourth or one-tenth of what are going to view the replays mm-hmm. um, and things like that. So it, it does. It's a, it's a great platform to also boost your algorithms on Instagram. So right. if you're going live on Instagram, it teaches the platform to show your content to more pages that follow Absolutely. you. Absolutely. So, so, yeah, I've noticed now, like I said, in the early stages, I'm going to definitely have to do this more than I have been. Um, as people already know, they can find me at sportswap underscore D right here on Instagram. Uh, the group page on Facebook, if anyone also has Facebook, is sportswap podcast. 
feel free to reach out to me. Um, I will definitely go through my uh, messages and things of that nature once I'm done here. And if you follow me, I will definitely follow back. Also, um, you can get any of my past videos and interviews on YouTube. Sports Rap TV is the page there. Make sure you get over there and like the page. Well, like the videos, subscribe to the page, and then hit that bell. Uh, Miss Miller, give yes. everybody your IG handle so they know where to find you and get in touch with you. Yes, for sure. So it, I am at Mrs. Britt Miller, M-R-S-B-R-I-T-T-M-I-L-L-E-R. Um, and you can find most of what I'm connected to in my bio. I have my, my brands and my links there um, and my website at BrittanyMillerBrand.com. So there you have it, folks. Another great interview with the Sports Red Podcast interview series. As you know, I always like to bring you informative and fun content. So I, again, look forward to speaking again in the future. Um, I look forward to seeing the program instituted in the city of Philadelphia. And it's getting done. It's getting done, sir. <laughs> that's, that's great. So like I said, just keep me in the loop, if you will. And again, yeah. I am here for you um, if need be. Like I said, I, if I have to make myself available, um, I will definitely work on doing that. But I have to do I have to say that it is something that I would want to be involved in in some type of way. Like I said, even if it's just coming and talking to some of the youth, you may have an event and I just come and talk for a few minutes. Um, and I am all right. That, that's <laughs> great. And just so you know, I am not one who will want to be on a podium talking um i am i guess you could say a free spirit if you will so i will be one that will be moving around the room if that okay, is okay. If I, I you know that that's I, I like to i like to be able to reach out um on a first hand level with the youth that i talk to as opposed to me just standing up on the podium talking at them like i like to say i want to be able to talk to them and i want them to be able to see me um and I also think that one of the greatest things that I have is the fact that I can play both parts. Um, I'm usually here in, like I'm here now in a t-shirt and sweatpants because I'm doing this podcast. But there's no um, holding back um, if I needed to be in a suit and tie. Mm -hmm. That's not an issue. And I think that's something that... I think you that, should just to show the youth that Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, I think I'm that's... Right. I think that's one of the things that they need, because a lot of times some of our youth are so ashamed of what their friends may say, like, oh, dude, you got on a suit. And then it's that old cliche, oh, you got on your church clothes. No, I am making some power moves and wearing business clothes so I can protect and advance into my future. So, Miss Miller, thank you again for your time. And I know I've said that um, so many times. Thank you to everyone that has joined and tuned in. Um, I hope that we can make some other connections down the line in that nature. And folks, again, stay tuned to Sports Rap. You know, I'm here all the time. And it was a pleasure speaking to you today. And I hope that some people learn some things about the program. Um, I hope some people gain some interest in the program and will be willing to 
come out and support and help in any way that they can. Yes, absolutely. All right. Thank you. You have a good day. Thank you. You too. All right. Talk to you soon. Yes. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. So, folks, there you have it. Uh, the interview with Mrs. Britt Miller at M-R-S-B-R-I-T-T-M-I-L-L-E-R and her organization, Urban Not Average Philly, which, again, that would be on Instagram, would be at U-R-B-A-N-N-O-T-A-V-E-R-A-G-E-P-H-I-L-L-Y. Go check them both out. Tell them Sports Rap sent you. And be in tune with the youth of our community. And I think it's a great program. With that, excuse me, with that being said, we will wrap up today's episode a little early today. Because like I mentioned, I have some other things that I need to do. But again, you know where to find me right here each and every Monday. Uh, Sports Rap Podcast is the group page on Facebook, on Instagram and Instagram and Twitter at Sports Rap underscore D. The website, sportsrapradio.com. The YouTube channel, Sports Rap TV. And you can get audio of the podcast on iHeart, Google, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most of your podcast outlets. Thank you all for tuning in. I will see you all week on social media next week, right back here on Monday. And as I like to say, get out and enjoy some of this nice weather. Be great on purpose. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in.